huge show today. We've got Richard Covington, the executive pastor of operations. And if we have time, we'll do some tales from the brick where Trace gives his best story of the week from the brick. But we are. I'm scared Richard. about that. It's going to be great. Richard Covington, he is the executive pastor of operations at the Heights Church. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Let's get to know him a little bit. We've got some questions for you. I think it'd be great. All right, so here's the thing, Richard. Uh, everyone would like to know what we could do to help cheer you up a little bit. Okay. Because uh, sometimes you walk around here and you're in no. a great mood. You're in a great yes. mood, but the face doesn't say that you're in a great mood. So yes. sometimes we'd like to know how can we make your day better. So, Richard, what is one thing that instantly makes your day better? Uh, I, Gosh, so many things make my day better. Ice cream. What I love ice flavor? cream. What flavor are we talking Chocolate about? chip all the way. Chocolate wow. chip all the okay. way. Yeah, 100%. Chocolate ice cream with chocolate chips? No, just chocolate chip ice cream. Okay. Dairy Queen, Brahms, what are we talking if about? If you're going to Dairy Queen, you got to do the blizzard, chocolate chip blizzard. Not on the menu, but you can ask for it. He goes off menu. Wow. I like that. Off menu, for man sure. man who knows what he wants. If you go off to Marble menu. Slab or Cold Stone, it's sweet cream with chocolate chips mixed in. If you go to Brahms, not Brahms, Brahms is just chocolate chip ice cream. Bluebell chocolate chip ice cream. It's pretty easy. Ice cream with chocolate chips in it. I don't That's even like ice cream. Pastor Appreciation Month is in October. Come on. You know what? What I love it. Do? Good point. But another person, a person that can make my day better is Judd Hardage. Ice cream and Judd Hardage. Yes, I love Judd. He makes me laugh. I really want to watch Judd and, and Richard <laughs> go on an ice cream date together. We can. Can we, can we send a camera with them? Can Absolutely. That? That's good content <laughs> for see us. See what happens. Yeah. Judd makes me laugh, and then uh, I, I uh, envy Judd's relationship that he has with the head football coach at Texas Tech, and so I like to talk to him about all things Texas Tech athletics. So, You went to Tech? No, I was a no-show at Tech. I registered for Tech. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why didn't you show up? Uh, because God called me to the ministry that summer, and I, felt, I thought at the time I had to go to a Christian school, so... I did not go to tech and was a no-show and ended up going to Dallas Baptist University, Let's jump which was the right place. decision for me. Sure. It was good. Yeah. It's a good place. Let's jump into that. What was your call to ministry like? Talk us through what that is. Was it a moment? Was it a gradual thing? What yeah. happened? A hundred percent a moment. And it was Valentine's Day. Um, my senior year in high school, 1988, uh, our church, First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs had a Valentine's banquet. And uh, Bill Bates spoke at this banquet, and uh, I remember going to this. I don't remember a whole lot of what that man said, um, but what I do remember is very two very distinct things. Number one, this overwhelming call to ministry uh, as a vocation that I've never had, never entertained prior to that, came out of thin air. Came, it just was God-given, honestly. And the second one was to teach Sunday school. And so we didn't have a student pastor at the time, so I went to the music minister of the church and said, this is what's happening. I don't know what to do with these thoughts. Or, um, and he said, well, we, we certainly want to work through with you this call to ministry. Um, but the Sunday school thing, we really want you to be in Sunday school as your senior year in high school, but let me see what I can do. And he came back with me and he said, I think what we're going to do is the last Sunday of the month, we want you to go to this class and we'll give you all the curriculum and then you can teach them. It just happened to be the oldest ladies class in the entire church. <laughs> so it was honestly like when you graduate this class, you see Jesus face to face. And so um, they were the best. I can't tell you 
how amazing these ladies were in my life. As a 17-year-old kid, uh, they prayed for me. Even when I went to school and came back on the weekends, that's where I would go. Uh, they would make me cookies, and they made me things for my dorm. Uh, they prayed me through university, and all of them obviously now are seeing Jesus face-to-face, but they were a massive, massive part of my early years in ministry. Um, then it was summer, that summer at summer camp that I solidified the call to ministry. And um, yeah, that was it. That's really cool that they were that they were kind of intertwined, right? That there was a future calling, but a, a current calling too, right? And I love that, that, that there was like a, here's a next step to take now in the process of where the Lord was going to lead you full time into ministry. Yeah. You know, Trace, I've never thought about that until that moment when you just said it. Um, and I love that. I think that's so God given that that's how God does it. Right. And I've just, I mean, I've always known that and I've always put those two things together and talking about my calling, but I've never thought about it as the future calling and the current calling, mm. but you are a hundred percent right. That'll preach. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I do just wanted, I wanted to ask you, David, because, you know, Richard shared what his first time was. And so I'm just curious, what was your first teaching assignment that was given you? Because like I, w- I had a small group that I led, but the first time, I'll never forget the first time that my pastor, after I felt called to ministry, uh, my student pastor said, hey, we're going to read through this book together called Humility. And then mm. you're going to preach for the first time on Philippians 2. And so mm. that, that passage has always stayed with me because it was the very first time that I got to, to preach. So what was, what was your first teaching opportunity? First teaching opportunity would have been, you know, like in seventh grade, I was asked by my uh, teacher to lead something. First preaching opportunity was when I was um, in seminary. I went back to my home church and got up and thought, you know, I got a lot of things to say. And I did have a lot of things to say. <laughs> it wasn't coherent. It wasn't a good sermon. It was terrible. You will never find that sermon because it was so bad. And so, yeah, that was my first one. And I feel like with everybody's, it's really bad. But I say that to tell you this. It's because two weeks later, I was in my preaching class at DTS. And I was feeling like I just knocked that sermon out of the park. Like that sermon that I did, my gosh, it was just amazing. You know, I waxed eloquently for 45 minutes and I was thinking I got this. Now, granted, I spent about three months memorizing this thing and it was still terrible, but I get up to preach and and you guys have been in these preaching classes. It's 12 of your best friends. You think that you're all about to go to uh, the passion stage or together for the gospel or lead a mega church. And so that competition is high in there. I get up thinking that I'm going to give this 12 minute sermon and I froze. Absolutely. Most humiliating moment of my life. Yeah. Absolutely froze. And, and honestly, what I interpret that as is, is the Lord really showing me preparation matters, um, what you say matters, mm-hmm. um, speaking f- uh, from the word rather than speaking from what you have to say matters. And from that moment on, because of that humiliating experience and because of the previous one before it of knowing how arrogant that I really was... Um, there's just been a healthy dose, I would hope, of, of humility and preparation that comes with preaching. Yeah. There's an it, awesome responsibility with that, right? Incredible. Because 
when you stand on that stage in whatever context you're in, those people that you're talking to, they don't need to hear what you have to say. Mm. They need to hear what God has to yeah. say through his word. Yeah. And Amen. you as a messenger of his word uh, are just there to be the mouthpiece and to help bring some illumination to those words. So it's not about you, right? No. It's no. all about Mm-mm. Jesus all the time. And all it's the funny time. that you say that. I was going to ask you how long you went for, because I think back to the first time that I was asked to come back and speak to the student ministry I grew up in as um, a sophomore in college. And literally, I spent the first over 30 minutes just telling jokes because I had the audience <laughs> rolling. It was They were rolling. And it was 30 minutes into it. And I looked down and go, oh, I haven't even gotten started yet. I was like, oh, well, it's okay. I'll, I'll just start. And I went for over an hour. And my, my mentor. Panic goes over your everyone's yeah, my, face. My mentor, Chris Dupree, who came and spoke for us uh, at Chi Alpha and again for the whole church back in April. Uh, he was gracious uh, enough to let me finish, uh, but then you know, helped coach me through that. But Richard, I, you've told me before. So I'm curious, how long was your first sermon? Yeah. Mine was a little bit opposite of what yours was. <laughs> uh, it was while I was in college and uh, I don't even remember why, uh, but they wanted the student could come this little bitty church somewhere in east texas i don't even remember where it was but it was tiny uh i remember went out there and i opened the passage of scripture and read the scripture for the day said a couple words about it and then literally said and that's all i have to say about that (laughs) 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 and it was done and i would think it was the shortest sermon that church has ever had it was maybe five minutes seven at the max yeah it was uh it was awesome how many years have you been, have you been in ministry now? Uh, I've gotten a check from a church since I was uh, 18, 18 consistently. Wow. Yeah. And so subtract staff, your age is. Yeah. I don't even know. I'm not good at math. 52. So what is that? 34, 34. years. Yeah. Let's well, take that at 52 now. Flip those numbers and imagine yourself at 25 yep. or imagine a bunch of other guys now who are at 25 yeah. who are just starting out in ministry. What do you know at 52 that you would have told yourself at 25 that would have made your life a whole lot easier? Yeah. So a couple things. Number one, I would say you don't know everything at 25 mm-hmm. and you already mentioned it that, yeah, these young whippersnappers who are preaching in uh, preaching class think they're ready to take the passion stage. Uh, there's a whole lot young ministers can learn from older seasoned pastors. And so I would not shy away from mentorship at all. Uh, I would welcome it. Um, and so I, I would, I would gravitate towards that. Um, and I would, I would also say, uh, be cautious of, of always trying to do and strive to go to the next thing. Like the grass is always greener at this church. I get a different opportunity and get to do this and more money. And, um, there is something to be said about the, uh, about the, the minister who stays and stays and stays and sets down deep roots, uh, and, and calls one church home for many, many, many years. There's rich ministry that can take place um, in year 15 that can never take place in year three. Uh, now, obviously, what trumps all that is God's call. And so if God's call is to call you to a different church, you go. And if it's 15 churches in a career, you do it. You follow God's call. 
But there is some richness about being rooted in a one place uh, that I think is important for ministers to understand. And so when the first crisis comes, um, that's not the time to flee. It's the time to dig in and to learn from your mistakes and uh, and set some deep roots down. That's a good word. I, I don't know about you, David, but I feel like I just heard an open invite to stay for however long we want to. I think we just got guaranteed contracts. A lifetime oh contract? I think so. We'll sign those right now. Right now. Let's hey, listen, you guys are awesome, and you are both incredibly talented in the ministry that you do. Uh, David, you're one of the most gifted preachers I've ever heard, and so... Uh, God uses you mightily in the pulpit, and and Trace, you're going to preach for the first time this Sunday. I know the, this podcast will probably be up after that, but I'm incredibly proud about that and watching you guys um, blossom in your ministries, and it's an honor to serve with you guys, and if God called you here for 30 years, it would be an awesome opportunity to serve with you. Yeah. Thanks, brother. I love what you said, too, there about blossom, because I've, I've been given the same counsel yeah. at moments, at critical moments in my time uh, in ministry where it seemed like maybe it would be better to, to jump ship. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes I've heard either from someone directly or from the Lord speaking to me, just that idea of bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me, you saying that I, I, I identify with that a lot. And I think that that's really, really good advice as someone, as both of us are uh, in our, I'm still early thirties for a couple of weeks your mid thirties, uh, for right I'm now, still early thirties, 34, but <laughs> you know, I think as we're just exiting that stage, I still, I look back and I go, yeah, that's great. And I've benefited from listening to that. Yeah. Even though at some times when I was 25, I didn't have the humility to listen to that yeah. point. No, it's good. Mm-hmm. So this is more of a lighthearted question, but when you look back on your life, when you look back at the 21 years of the Heights, when you look back on the 52 years of life, if there was one actor to play you in the biopic of your life, (laughs) who would it be? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I I have this. Uh, I don't know. Um, who's the guy who plays Roy Kent on Brett Goldstein? Gary talked about him on <laughs> Sunday. There's, I, I, people, may, this may be typecast, cast, whatever. People say I have, and you've already alluded to it, that I have this grumpy resting face, and I don't, I don't like that, right? Um, you don't like that people say that, or you don't no, like to have I, it? First of all, I don't believe them. <laughs> you don't believe them. And then I don't like it if it's true, yeah. right? <laughs> but I... I don't know. So if I'm going along with what everybody else says, it'd probably be, you know, that Roy Kent character type of guy. I don't know. Um, But that is, that's not something, if that is true, that's something I'm not proud of, honestly. Well, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that 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 is true (laughs) about you because that's not it at all. Like that's not your heart. No, but there's sometimes where I don't don't see that. Sometimes we have an exterior that we walk around with and people get to know us and they get to know that there's something completely different underneath that. And you know, you, you mentioned it, y'all, y'all, you know, been gracious to, to talk about it already. But you know, when, when I got the call from Gary to preach and they put that in the spreadsheet where we kind of (laughs) track what we're going to be teaching on the very first person that tried to reach out to me, not the first person I heard from, because I I missed your phone call. Then I tried to call you back. And then we finally connected, but the first words out of your mouth after that were, man, I, I saw that your name on there and it brought me to tears mm-hmm, and that did. was incredibly meaningful to me. Yeah. Uh, just the way that you do encourage and that is your heart for, yeah. uh, for the whole team, 
but also for young ministers, even as you've alluded to right now. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great about you being in your role of executive pastor of operations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, you're my kid's student pastor and you'll be my third kid student pastor next, next year. Um, and, and I, I have a soft spot for student ministry. God called me initially into ministry and student ministry. And I honestly thought at the time I would be a lifer in student ministry. Um, and so when, when Trace, when I, when I see God, uh, using you and giving you more opportunities to use the gifts that he's given you, um, gosh, it, it makes me so happy. And it makes me honestly really proud. Mm. Not that I did anything to get you to the point where you are now, but it just makes me proud. No, but you've supported me. Yeah. Uh, there have been key moments even here where, you know, there's always a transition period and there's been moments where you've encouraged me and lifted me up. And, you know, that speaking of lighthearted questions, I think back to your time and some of the stories you tell me about being in student ministry uh, a while ago, you uh, have known quite a few famous people. Yeah. So who is the most famous person in your phone? Yeah, it'd probably, I don't know, it'd probably be the, um, and I don't know how famous he is necessarily, but it's probably the student pastor that I served under when I interned at the Heights, and that's Joe Simpson. And who are his daughters again? Yeah, Jessica and Ashley Simpson. People know, people know that are associated with the Heights that he used to be student pastor here, and uh, the girls grew up in ministry here at the Heights. So yeah, they're, um, it, they're a very important family to me, and my oldest son was named after Colin was named after Joe. And so it's Joe Truett Simpson, Colin. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, but also in other circles, there's some more famous people. I mean, you were kind of in that group in previous conversations that we've had. You told me that you've been in that group where that maybe early nineties, they were just starting out Tomlin, Matt Carter, those guys, you work with Matt Carter for Crowder. You work with Carter for a while, right? Yeah, we never actually worked on the same staff together. We mm-hmm. actually did some camps together a couple mm-hmm. consecutive years. Um, but most people who are listening to this podcast may not even know who Matt Carter is. He, he Man. Uh, <laughs> he's a, a solid pastor who preacher who started um, and founded um, Austin Stone Community Church in Austin. And so, yeah, there were some initial conversations about um, about working with him in Austin when that church was being started. So, well, here's the thing, Richard, I think a lot of us, a lot of people know, or at least have an idea when they hear student pastor, what Mm -hmm. a student pastor does, or they hear groups pastor, they may have an idea of what a groups pastor is, but what is it that you do day to day (laughs) as the executive pastor of operations at the height? What would you say you do here? (laughs) Yeah, lots of things. Uh, First of all, I love my job. I I think, you know, I think when you look at different churches and you have the time, the term executive pastor, that that can mean so many different things for so many different churches. Some churches just have one executive pastor. We have two executive pastors in our church. Um, And so, uh, there's lots of similarities in those positions, but there's also tons of differences. And so when you look at the operations, basically that is the day-to-day operations of the church primarily. It's, it's taking care of the building. It's taking care of the church finances. Um, and so, uh, but then other responsibilities that I have uh, in addition to those two is also oversee weekend experiences and, and worship, oversee missions, oversee Heights in Spanish, and uh, and staff from a human resources perspective. So, 
Well, you're also, you work with the budget and mm -hmm. you, you know, put in a ton of time to yep. get the budget ready for next fiscal year. We've got our church uh, annual meeting coming up. Yep. Um, my church growing up, the, the tagline was always the church's business is your business. Yep. You know, talk us through why is the something as um, mechanical, something as financial, something as just wrote as a budget from a ministry perspective? Why is that so important? How is that a pastoral tool to you? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, honestly, God, uh, God's people give money to the local church. Uh, and it's not our money. It's God's money. It's when we give to the church, we are simply saying, God, thank you. We are dependent upon you. We, we believe all, everything is yours and we are, uh, joyfully giving back a portion of our first fruits back to you. And so any money that, that is a part of the Heights has been given by godly men and women. Um, and so there's a lot of responsibility to steward that well and to steward that for the kingdom of God. And so we have really good men and women who serve in leadership in many different committees here at the church, whether it be finance or personnel or missions, missions overseas, missions budget committee, the, uh, the finance team oversees the overall church budget, and then personnel sees, oversees the personnel budget. Uh, so me and my seat, I just have an opportunity to help work with these teams to make sure we're stewarding God's resources uh, as best as we possibly can. The idea in all of it is that we want to expand God's kingdom, right? God allows us to be a part of expanding his kingdom, and these resources are used for that. And so we want to make sure that uh, we have money to do all the things that we believe God is you know, telling you to do in student ministry and you to do in groups. And so there's just a long process. There's a balance game on that because you got to keep the lights on. You got to figure out how you're going to pay those bills. Electricity continues to go up. Unfortunately, um, it costs money to uh, heat and cool the building. And uh, those fixed costs are rock and roll. And so, and then also we want to make sure personnel teams passionate about making sure that our staff is taken care of. And then there's always a balance. So it's a fun job, but there's a balance to it. I love that inside baseball uh, talk right yep. now because I think sometimes, you know, we we've had people who are like, well, what do you do during the rest of the week? Yeah, no, what's no, your, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. What's your other job? Yeah, what's your other yeah. job? I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm working yeah. uh, here all the time, and so I, I think that helps give people a, a robust picture of what ministry looks like day to day. But you know, you've you've worn so many different hats in your 21 years at the Heights. Yeah, how do you see? yourself living out of the calling that God has placed on your life for ministry, which is clear and has God has used to impact people for, for many, for many years now, how do you see yourself living out of the calling that God has given you? And how do you see the way that he has given you spiritual gifts that just kind of are coming alive now in this role? Yeah. So earlier in our podcast, we talked about me being in that old ladies class. Yeah. And you talked about the fact that here and then now, right? So the future calling, but also the now calling. So I would, I would probably answer that question by saying this, that uh, early in my ministry, I believe that God had a, had a place for me and a purpose for me at every step of the way, at every role. Um, but I also believe that in, that in all of those times, he was preparing me for what I'm doing now. So there was always a calling for what I was doing then, but then there was always a calling for what he wants me on a teaching and a training time for what's, what he wants me doing now. And so honestly, I think that what I'm doing now, I just think that God made me for this. 
and I have incredible joy being able to do what I do. Uh, and and God, God really orchestrated it and led it all the way. Do you think that having that experience of student pastor, missions pastor, and I'm sure so many other roles in there, yeah. do you think having those experiences of knowing what it's like in the trenches of those ministries has helped you be the executive pastor of operations that you currently are? A hundred percent. Yeah, because I, 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 I know, and I think it's a different world now than you're a student pastor when I was a student pastor. Um, but but I, I know the world a little bit, right? And, and so when it comes to budgeting, we, we talked about this before. We, you came to me and said, I really need to do this. And I said, okay, well, we got to figure out how to make that happen. And, and we did that. We figured it out through the budgeting process. And so for me to be able to be a part of that process and understand that, immensely powerful and helpful for me to have that training and uh you know i really feel like i really feel like me and my role is to kind of pave the way a little bit for you guys almost like and a lead blocker exactly yeah and, like yeah like be a really a strong lead blocker a fullback if you will whatever you want to call it uh just clearing the space for you guys to flourish and for you guys to use that word blossom again and to do your ministry. And there's a lot of joy in me doing that. Uh, and so, uh, when I see, when I see Trace, you thrive, David, when I see you thrive, uh, and other young ministers in our, in our church, uh, there is, there, there's a lot of pride, you mm -hmm. know, and I, that's it's not pride. It's just a proud, big brother let's not say dad let's just say a proud big <laughs> brother uh you know just cheering you guys on and being able to be a part of that in some small ways is, is awesome but no, we, we appreciate that because we do. you yeah. know you do clear the holes for us to go and run yeah well I, exactly i mean just a couple of weeks ago i mean we were trying to figure out what does evangelism look like what's yeah. going to cost for us to be able to do what we feel that god's called us right. to do and really opening up the hole to make disciples yeah. do evangelism and you asked me to put together some numbers yeah. and i put together what i thought was you know a conservative you know estimate walked in and you're like oh man you need more than that yeah come on we gotta we gotta jack this up here a little bit and i just appreciated that so much where i feel like you had my back in that and you were going to make sure that i could do what i'm supposed to do and i feel like you do that for every single member yeah. of the staff so i appreciate that yeah it was low you, you came it in with a low. number that was low <laughs> and the thing is is you know as we talk about vision and the direction that we want to go with the heights uh, you know, that's where we really feel God's called us. He's Amen. called us to be mm -hmm. a part of the Great Commission, right? And evangelism is a part of making disciples, baptism, uh, teaching them all the things I've commanded you, uh, discipleship. And that's that's where we want to be as a church. That's Amen. where we are going. And so we have to create some resources mm -hmm. to make evangelism the thing around here and flourish around here. It's almost like our mission statement is waking the world up to Jesus. <laughs> Who'd have yeah, thought? it's almost like it. <laughs> well, Richard, thank you for yeah. coming on and doing this and letting us get a chance to pepper you with questions and get to know you better, yeah. but also for teaching us how we can live out of the calling that God has placed on our lives. And just the fact that the calling God's placed on our life, we're here now, if we're faithful, what we'll see is who knows what the call will be next. Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's an it's an honor to be here, an honor to be part of this podcast. And, uh, man, what a joy it is just to serve with you guys on this team. And uh, what a joy it is to serve with our entire team. God has, God has blessed us with some solid folks here around here. Amen, brother. Thanks for the time. You bet. <laughs>